Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning, everyone. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint here on WDEV. Joining me on the phone is Carrie Saylor, who is the Government and Public Affairs Officer for the Vermont Food Bank. Carrie, welcome to the show. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is so great because people need to know that September is National Hunger Action Month. Um, and so we have a lot to talk about this morning. Sadly, we can talk about hunger in Vermont. Um, but first, Carrie, could you give me a little bit of uh, our listeners a little bit of your background um, so um, they have a little sense of who you are and what you've been up to? Yeah, um, I have lived here in Vermont since uh, 2003 and um, started my career doing some marketing and communications work for small businesses in Montpelier um, and then moved into the nonprofit sector and have been doing uh, work with the food bank for the past two years um, on the communications team as the government and public affairs officer. So I get to talk to great people like you And in the winter, I spend a lot of time in the State House talking to our elected leaders about what they can do to address hunger in Vermont. That's great. Um, Do you also, you must also deal with our uh, federal, with our congressional men and women these days. Do you do do a lot with Washington? I do deal with them. And I will say that um, in many ways, our elected officials are. Um, very supportive and very well educated, maybe compared to their colleagues in Congress. So I get to work <laughs> with them and their staff who, um, who are doing a lot of work right now on the federal farm bill to try and get oh. some, um, changes and improvements to that federal legislation that would be, uh, really positive for folks here in Vermont and in states across the country. That's great. Um, I hope that they pay attention here because I know I did a show on that a while ago and, um, Lots of things that could potentially be tweaked, I would think. Um, I have to say one thing about our congressional delegation. Their staff, as long as I've been working with them all these years, they always have the best staff in the world. And if you call uh, for a constituent or any issues here in Vermont, they are on it. And we are very fortunate. Whether And it doesn't matter about politics, whether you um, agree with them or not. If you're calling for a constituent or calling for some help, they're right on it. So I agree with you. They're they're really in tune with what's going on here in Vermont. Um, So I I love that. I love just a quick anecdote for that because I think it really points to what you just said. Um, In July, just after the floods, um, a staffer from Senator Sanders' office, Will Stevens, and I did a tour of several of our network partners, and a few of them had been flooded. And Will was just handing out his business cards left and right, telling people, like, oh, if you have questions, call me. You know, we'll see what we can do to help. And it was really such a wonderful confluence of, um, you know, the opportunity for for people to get access to people who could really help make a difference. Yeah, I can imagine. I have never once had a, a, a interaction with any anyone's staff that hasn't been pleasant and supportive, and they mean it. I mean, it's not uh, lip service. They're they're on it, and um, it's just a pleasure to know they're there for us, regardless of politics. It's just all about Vermonters. So, 
good for them. Anyway, so we're here to talk about hunger in Vermont. And while I hate to ask this, can you share with us some current statistics about um, what's being faced by um, Vermonters here in our state? Yeah, and maybe a better way to refer to these as kind of current trends. Um, okay. One thing that is actually really hard to track is the statistics of food insecurity. The USDA does it. It has a couple-year lag. Um, and during the pandemic, UVM was tracking these numbers, but now that the pandemic is over, they are not doing that. And so the latest data that I have is from 2022 when UVM did a study that indicated that two in five people in Vermont had experienced hunger in the 12 months before that study, so between 2021 and 2022. Um, What we know right now from the information that we have available to us at the Vermont Food Bank is that our network partners, those, those 300 community organizations across the state who we work with to get food access down to the community level, most of them have seen increased numbers of people accessing their services. Um, some of them are seeing modest increases. Some of them are seeing, you know, doubling of the number of people who come oh. to visit them. Um, and so while it, I don't have an exact count of how many of those people are, it is likely that because many of the conditions that, you know, were there when the UVM study happened, you know, economic challenges, still remainders of the COVID pandemic, you know, the the virus circulating through the community and impacting people's ability to go to work or school. Um, And now on top of that, really disastrous flooding all over our state. I have no reason to believe that that two in five number has gone down. As a matter of fact, I'm a little concerned that if someone did a study today, it would be higher than that. Can I can I ask you something? How and you may not know this because you don't do necessarily do the studies. How do they get that number? Because I'll tell you why. Somebody told me a long time ago that you can't tell from looking at someone's house whether they're dealing with food insecurity because if they're having financial problems, the first thing that gets cut is food because that's something. You can you can control. You have to pay your lights. You have to pay the mortgage. You have to pay the the car. Um, uh, you know, money for the car. And so food goes first, which is tragic. So how how can you get to the to the number that's really accurate? I'm, I struggle with that, and maybe you don't know either. I, I'm not sure. I actually get this question a lot, and it's a really good question. Um, because you're right, it isn't something that's super visible, and there aren't a lot of places where you would encounter the set of questions that gets at food insecurity. But the USDA has a series of, I think it's six or eight questions that they ask annually um, as part of studies that they do, and other researchers have borrowed that question series and put them into their studies as well. So it really keeps the um, the data consistent, even if different groups or different um, researchers are doing those studies. And it asks questions like, you know, how often in the past year have you not had enough food to eat or have you not had enough of the kind of food that you want to eat? You know, it really kind of asks right. 
um, questions that get at what you're talking about, right? Like, how have you had to make really hard choices in your household budget that means that food is not something that, you know, you are able to get as easily as you would if you had enough money to do that, right? Um, And so that's essentially the set of questions that both UVM and the USDA use. Um, And it's pretty effective at helping us understand um, um, where food insecurity is at any given moment. And I will say one of the big challenges is that that because of the the situation you named, food insecurity is really variable. It isn't like a status, right? It isn't an identity. It's an experience that people have and they kind of flow in and out of it, right? Like next month you might make a little bit more money or maybe you work some overtime or maybe you get a second job or, you know, maybe you get a raise and things get a little more stable for a while. And then your car breaks down or you need to get a new refrigerator or, you know, whatever really normal thing happens and you don't have as much money that month, then you have to sort of make some hard choices again. And I think that's the more common experience of food insecurity is that it's temporary and people, you know, do what they can to get by for a short period of time, you know, and that's not to say that there aren't people who really live with food insecurity all the time. Vermont has a lot of older adults in particular and people who are disabled who are living on, you know, social security or social security disability, and it isn't enough really to live on. Right. And so those, you know, a lot of folks in certain circumstances really do rely on um, food access systems or on, you know, really important programs like Three Squares Vermont to make sure that they can meet their food needs or get closer to meeting their food needs. Pretty scary out there, Carrie. And I think also children, children under the age of 18 who are still growing, who are still developing, I mean, um, that's not the time to cut back on food. You need those veggie Van Gogh um, visits, and um, you just need healthy food to, to you know, get you prepared for your adulthood. So it's, it's pretty um, scary out there. And I, I know I worked for a, a Center of Mont Home Health and Hospice and had some ex- very limited experience, certainly not like you and others, but I saw that that you can't judge it by the the houses that people live in, as I just said before. So don't make assumptions because you just don't know. And now we've been double whammied with COVID, people, you know, um, being isolated and maybe in some cases losing their jobs. Um, and then, you know, we get out of that and and uh, the state gets hit with flooding and, and mud like you've never seen. And... We're back, right back at it again. And somebody told me that even when you go to food uh, food shelves these days, you see different kind of people that are coming from work, um, because or coming right, right, you know, right from their home. That's just a, it's different. It's not people who who are homeless. Um, it's everybody's from all walks of life are involved. It's it's very hard. And thank you for what you do, by the way. Um, just oh. bothers me in this agricultural state of ours that we even have this discussion. Um, I don't. Yeah, know I think you is, named but... you named a couple important things in there, Pat. And I just want to I just want to go back and sure. and remind all of your listeners that last year the legislature chose to make universal school meals permanent, right. and that is a huge, huge resource for households with children. That is free breakfast and free lunch for all students in Vermont um, schools. So that 
that I think as the as the as time goes by a little bit, we'll really see the impact in that. And our partners at Hunger Free Vermont um, did a fantastic job helping the legislature navigate the process of of making that permanent. And so I think in some ways it's systems like that that like now we don't even think about because it's been completely normalized. Um, that are the best kind of solutions for food insecurity where, you know, anyone who needs it at any time is able to access it in a way that's easy for them. Um, and, and I think that looking towards addressing long-term food insecurity is going to require us looking at solutions that look like that, but yeah. maybe not just for kids. Right. Well, I, I, you know, you mentioned uh, adults over 60, us old folk, um, you know, we uh, we need some extra different kind of nourishment um, as you get older. Different uh, different kind of foods and things, and uh, mm-hmm. we need we need to eat healthy too. But I think the kids it makes them smarter, makes them uh, ready to learn. Um, hard to learn when you're facing an empty stomach. Um, so um, I think that's I think that's really good. What what do they do in the summer? Of course, now we had the flood, so the summer programs probably got. Uh, um, wiped out, but what do they do for these kids in the summertime, Carrie? Yeah, so there are summer meal programs, and I, I don't think they got wiped out so much as they had to, you know, probably pause for a little bit of time, just yeah. like some of our network partners did in, in those high flood areas. But, um, you know, from what I know, most, if not all, of the summer meal programs were able to continue. The challenge with summer meal programs is that they're only able to um, operate in certain areas, and so they are not, you know, something that the USDA will support in every community across the state. So there are communities that need those summer meals that that are not receiving them because they don't qualify based on the guidelines. Um, But I think a lot of kids have really great access to summer meal programs in those Meals are prepared to USDA standards, and they're good, and kids like them. And, um, you know, it's often a really great uh, option if they can get them into a park or near a summer activity program where kids can go and have fun and then get a meal afterwards or during that day. Um, And then the other thing that was different this summer that is a really exciting change is um, the federal government last December in the omnibus spending bill um, put in a provision for a summer meal card program. And it's referred to in the same way that we referred to it during the pandemic, PEBT. And so every household with a student enrolled in a, um, in a public school who served universal school meals last year, which would have been pretty much all of our schools in Vermont received a card um, in the mail to use for food over the summer. And the amount per student was $120 to supplement um, food programs, you know, for families and to make sure that they got the food they needed while kids were out of school. And that is um, really great and something that advocates have been asking for for a really long time. Um, And I know this was the first year, so I think some families were a little confused, like, what is this card and why am I getting this in the mail? Um, and so if folks listening still have that card and it's like stuck on their refrigerator or they're like, oh, oh, Lord. um, everyone and anyone can use that at, at food retailers that take, um, three squares per month. And 
you can use it at farmer's markets. So I know a lot of communities are coming into that like real boom time in their downtown farmer's market. And there's all sorts of produce available. So they can walk in. There's often like a little table or a little kiosk where you can go and have um, either either where you have to pay for it or some farmer's markets do like a token system where you change your money from those cards to tokens and can go buy what you want from farmers. Um, and then other folks are saying, this isn't really something that my family needs, right. but, you know, I'm happy to use it because it's federal dollars being spent in Vermont and that's really good for our economy. So they'll right. take it and, and purchase food to donate to their local food shelf. So it's really like a win-win-win kind of a program. Um, so this, I have not heard of this program, and now I'm all excited. Um, so the federal government sends people who qualify a postcard or a card, and the amount of money you mentioned is that uh, for the summer, for a month, for what's the period of time that that would be good for? Yeah, so I just want to be clear. The government, the federal government, gives money to the state. And so ah, the state of Vermont receives that money. And this, the state of Vermont sent letters to households, and those letters included what looks kind of like a debit card. Um, and it's white and has black numbers on it. Um, and that card is loaded with $120 per student. Um, and so families get to use that money like a debit card at a grocery store or a farmer's market or um, anywhere that accepts three squares. And they can use that for whatever food they want um and there there are some like qualifying food rules like you can't use it to buy prepared food you have to use it to buy food that you're going to prepare yourself so um and that is for the whole summer that was for the three months of the summer it's forty dollars per month um during the summer excellent i'm that really i'm i'm glad to hear this i don't know why i haven't heard of it but i'm going to check it out Uh, and i think if anybody's like you said it's got that card for heaven's sake don't throw it out and if you didn't get one and think you qualify, um, who is the sending agency, Carrie? It's the um, it's the Department for Children and Families Economic oh, Services yeah. Division. Okay. Um, and so you would just give them a call. And you can also contact your school. Um, I think some people have contacted their schools and asked if they knew if they were listed properly or things like that, too. But I would say Excellent. it's a little more efficient. And I can... Um, Give everybody the phone number for DCF yeah. if that is helpful. I have it right in front of me. Go ahead. Um, yeah, people can dial 1-800-479-6151 and then choose option 7. Um, and that will get them to a place to find out if they need to request a replacement card or, or what. Perfect. Thank you very much. That's great. Anyway, um, you mentioned a couple of um, buzzwords here. You mentioned network partners, and um, I know you also have what you call a direct food distribution. Can you talk about these wonderful people and how um, they all work together? I would love to. So the Vermont Food Bank sort of has two levels of partnership with community organizations. One is a really official um, relationship, and we call those folks our network partners. We have signed agreements with them, and those are the folks that we take the food from our three distribution centers. We have one in Brattleboro, one in Rutland, and one in Barrytown. And the food goes from those distribution centers to these community organizations that can be food shelves, food pantries, meal sites. 
sometimes there are organizations that are like a health center but has a food pantry and part of it, you know, can be combined um, for, you know, open to people for other reasons, senior centers, some of our after school programs. Um, and, and those are the, the community access locations for, um, for food. So folks can walk in there during those open hours. They're often greeted by really nice staff people or community volunteers, and they can get the food that they need. And sometimes that's shelf-stable food only, and sometimes it is shelf-stable food or ref- and refrigerated things like produce, eggs, dairy, frozen, you know, frozen meat, um, frozen, other frozen foods. And, and that's, that's really the people that most people know in their community. So I know WDEV is in Waterbury. The organization in Waterbury used to be called the Waterbury Food Shelf. It's now called the Waterbury Market and is just a really lovely, like, you know, corner store market style place for people to walk in and get all sorts of different foods that they need. Um, And they try and make it as welcoming and accessible as possible and have a good variety of stuff so that people can, can sort of have their own choices based on what they know how to cook or the kind of food they prefer or what their diet requires. Um, and those organizations, like I, I cannot say enough about how critical they are to doing this work. Um, they are often staffed and run by, by really kind and generous community members who really care about other people and making sure people's basic needs are met. Um, and they're working really, really hard right now to make sure that those needs can be met. Um, and it's not easy. It's a lot of logistics. It's, you know, making sure that people are available when our trucks can get there and that, you know, everyone can get what they need when they need it. And um, I just, you know, there are about 225, 230 of those organizations. And there's oh. a map on our website. So if folks go to vtfoodbank.org, they can click on Find a Food Shelf. Um, and look for the place nearest them where they can, can access food. And um, I really encourage anyone who feels like they, you know, need some help with food to do that. Those organ- That's exactly what those organizations are there for and what they're here, there for. I hate to tell you this. We've got to take another break. This is a, um, a hard break, they call it, so we've got to do this one. I want to come back and talk about my favorite uh, chef of all time is Chef Joey from the Community Kitchen Academy. We do some shows there, and... They are. Uh, is she amazing or what? She's amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about Chef Joey. <laughs> Got more energy than I'll ever hope to have ever, even in my youth. We just started this program talking about September is National Hunger Action Month, and I know that the that you are busy mobilizing just about everyone to take action in the fight against hunger, Carrie. And um, the, you've talked about on your website and. Um, when you're going around Vermont talking about ways that people can help. Um, And I know you've identified um, four or five great ways that people can help. Maybe you can kind of tick them off for us and and tell us what, um, what people can do to step up and, and help. Yeah, there are a couple of relatively straightforward ways people can get involved and help to make a difference. Um, one thing that we always encourage people to do is volunteer. Um, that can be with us. That can be with your local food access, you know, food shelf or food pantry. Or um, before the break, I actually didn't get to talk about our community partners and, and our direct distributions. And a lot of um, school
schools and hospitals around the state partner with us to do direct distributions and are often looking for volunteers to help with those. Um, And so volunteering for something like that is a really great way to take action during Hunger Action Month. Um, The other way is to advocate. And right now we're part of the Vermont Farm Bill Nutrition Coalition, uh, which is led by Hunger Free Vermont. And on their website, there's a sign-on that people can read the recommendations we have for our federal delegation. We're asking, you know, Senator Sanders and Senator Welch and Congresswoman Ballant to make some changes to the farm bill that would really um, impact Vermonters' lives for the better and make it easier for people to get the food that they need. Um, And you can look at our website or you can look at Hunger Free Vermont's website and and find that sign-on letter and put your name there. You can call your local elected officials and and thank them for um, implementing universal school meals and ask them what else they think they can do to help address hunger in the state of Vermont. Um, So there are a lot of pieces to that, and it really, whatever moves you is the right action when you advocate. Um, We are asking people to share their story, and that can be... um, you know, community members who who use Three Squares Vermont or who have used a food shelf or a food distribution event at their local school or hospital, um, you know, and, and help people understand, you know, this experience of food insecurity and help humanize the issue of hunger. So we're not just here talking about, you know, two in five people. We're really talking about, you know, neighbors that we know and, you know, people that we, we love and the experience they're having um, and not being able to access enough food they need in the way they want. So um, that is, a, I think, an interesting way that, that some people have really stepped up to do and have helped other people in our community understand what you, Pat, understand, you know, that you can't always make um, determinations based on what things look like, right. that, that people's lives are more complicated than that. Yep. Um, and then the fourth action is asking people to, to give, to support their local food shelf or food pantry, um, or to support the Vermont Food Bank and help us do the work that we do as a donor. That's great. Um, I, I did read um, that COVID, I don't know if this is still true, that you're not necessarily doing the group um, uh, events that you used to do, that you're trying to keep that dis- that social distancing. Is, it, is that still something that's being practiced at the food bank? Yeah, you know, a lot of our di- direct distribution events prior to COVID were like farmer's market style events where we would put up a tent or two and put out lots of different um, fresh food for people to choose from. And they would walk up and it was really nice. And people got to kind of hang out and chat with each other. And it was more of a community building experience. Um, Obviously those things didn't happen for us or many other organizations or community groups during the pandemic. Um, And we went to a drive-through model at most of our direct distribution events. And it turns out that a lot of people in a lot of communities don't, they, they like that model. Um, and it allows us to serve more people during a similar time frame. And so for now we are continuing in most locations with that drive-through model. Um, we do have a few walk-up models that we've gone back to for communities that are more walkable. Winooski is one that comes to mind. Right. Um, Lots more people in Maduski walk than drive cars, and so we made that one a walk-up. Um, but, you know, a lot of other places, Barry is one community, for example, um, we're doing that drive-through um, model still and, and for the foreseeable future. 
That's really, that just surprises me, because I just love farmer's markets. I love walking around. And I find that, like a Jerusalem artichoke, I had no idea what that ugly-looking thing was. And I asked the <laughs> farmer, the guy that was selling it, well, it's got all these bumps on it. And I, I said, what is this, and what do you do with it? Well, he must have spent, I swear, a half hour with me telling me how to cut it, how to prepare it, and it was fabulous. And so I've been a fan of Jerusalem artichokes since. So they really take pride in um, in what they grow and what they're selling, and they want you to to get that same sense of of uh, the joy of eating. And it was a, was an amazing. I wish I, I wish I had um, videotaped it because it was just it was incredible. You know, I just said, "What is this?" And that was it. A half hour later. I'm walking away with recipes, and no one had to deal with those weird-looking things. But it was it was worth yeah. We ask. do we do our best to sort of recreate that. So at all of these drive-through events, we often have our um, VT Fresh staff, which those are the folks at the food bank who do what that farmer did for you. They provide recipes and Great. cooking techniques, support, and they do. That they, we have a lot of videos and, and written recipes on our website, and they do an email newsletter with all sorts of recipes for all sorts of different produce, um, and it is focused on produce specifically. Um, but at these events, they'll walk around to people's cars, and often they have a recipe to hand out. Sometimes they have other food resource information. One month they had... Uh, they were handing out wooden spoons, and one month it was like a cutting board thing. They So they often have cooking tools that they share with people who want them, and they try to recreate that experience that you had just as like on like a door-by-door basis. Um, well, that's so, Yeah, well, I and, found and they're, on, I they're found super on your, fun. You got, you got the recipes on your website, and I found my family always, we grew up eating radishes raw, I mean just radishes, with a lot of butter on it, and that's how we ate it at the table. And I found a recipe, I'm looking at it right now, about how to cook radishes, and I'm going to do that this weekend. because Oh, is that the pan-roasted radishes recipe? Yeah, I know, it just looks awesome. Uh, And so I'm going to try it, because I'm just so used to eating radishes with with a pound of butter on them, um, which is very good, by the way. But um, this looks like... (laughs) It's, it's great. I got so excited when I do this research for these shows. Um, but anyway, we have to talk about a very exciting event that you all are sponsoring. On um, It's on September 23rd. Could you talk about the Point to Point? Yeah, and it's actually sponsored by VSCCU, and we're the recipients oh, of that the funds that they're raising. So um, I just want to make sure that they get credit where credit yes, due because sure. it is. It is a huge event, and it is such an incredible amount of work, and they're such fantastic partners. So on September 23rd, on the State House lawn in Montpelier, we weren't sure for a little while if we could still make it happen in Montpelier, but it, it's looking good. Um, this is a bike ride to help raise money to fight hunger. Um, their goal is $150,000, and folks can sign up to participate in the ride. There are three different rides. Um, along sort of a shorter ride and a mid mid ride, um, and they can. Um, and if you you aren't a rider or a runner and you don't want to participate in the that part of it, you can um, you can sign up to support a friend or a colleague who's doing that running or one of the other teams. Um, and you know, really, the best place to find that information is either on 
um, the VSECU Facebook page. There's a whole point-to-point event page. Um, you can look on our website, and it'll point you over there, too. So, yeah, very exciting. And, and in the past, um, it's been in August, and last summer it was just excruciatingly hot. So the choice was made to move it to September, and now it's part of Hunger Action Month, and it's just the perfect confluence and, and a really fun way for people to take action to fight hunger. Um, so people, people sponsor, that's how they make the money, is people sponsor people to ride. So you give a donation yeah. on some, okay, I got it. I wasn't sure how they get that hundred. That's a lot of money, but I bet there's a lot of riders, and it's the 23rd annual, so people must be participating, and it's uh, just hope it's a great day and um, get that money in. And I love the VSECU. Um, they are so community-focused. Kudos to them. Um, I had found a, a – I'm just going to mention it because I, I think it's a great thing. The um, Blue Cross Blue Shield is doing something – and you're going to have to go on their website. It's called um, Pick a Peck of Fun. It's uh, Apple Day, September 23rd through October 8th. And I, um, but anyway, um, if, it's a long story, and, and I, I don't have all the details. But if you post a picture of you um, with uh, participating in one of the orchards, um, that the Blue Cross Blue Shield will donate to the food bank the cost of one free peck of apples. And Carrie, do you know how much a peck is? I couldn't believe this. Do you know? I I actually don't. I I'm ready to learn something, Pat. Ten pounds, Carrie. That's a lot of applesauce. May I just say? Um, So if you get a peck of apples, you better know what to do with them. Um, I make applesauce. I don't. I'm not big on pies, but um, I bet there'll be somebody making a lot of pies. Um, That's really. I just think that's great. Thanks to Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I'm sure they've got information on their website. I just like the sound, pick a peck of fun. That's kind of cool. Um, That is great. Yeah, I will also say we give away thousands of pounds of apples, so really this is such a great um, way to help people connect to the work that we're doing. Yeah, that's great. Ten pounds. Um, Anyway, um, there's so much going on this uh, month, and I hope that you'll participate in it. I wanted to talk about the diversity, equity, inclusion, but first, Carrie, I forgot to ask about my favorite thing, Veggie Van Gogh. Is Veggie Van Gogh still out there? Yep, Veggie Van Gogh is still out there, and people can find out if they have one of those events close to them um, by looking at um, their, usually it's their local school or hospital will offer that Veggie Van Gogh, so most people will find the most up-to-date information by going to um an event listing on those websites for schools or hospitals and seeing if that information is, is available to them. Those events are run by our community partners, and so they are the ones who do um, the advertising and promotion of those events. Ah. So I don't have all that information, but but local communities would um, be the ones to look to to find out if you have a Veggie Van Gogh near you. I love the name. That's what attracted me. I just love that Veggie Van Gogh, but I also understand that people love it. And what a great way just to have fresh foods and, and product, produce delivered right to your school, right to you. And um, uh, I, I just I, I hear that people just can't get enough of Veggie Van Gogh. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for everything you do. I wish we could talk about, um, what is it, culling? Is that the, what they call culling? Gleaning. I just, gleaning, oh, thank you. Why do I say culling? I say it every time I talk to you. Gleaning, thank you. Um, it's where you take food that could be thrown out and cut off all the 
the stuff you don't want to eat, and you're left with all kinds of fabulous foods. And when I did that a long time ago now, I have changed the way I operate in my kitchen because you throw out stuff and you're like, wait a minute, you could use this with a little tweaking. So um, <laughs> good for you. Anyway, Well, and often, Pat, I'll, I just want to clarify, gleaning isn't always stuff that would be thrown away. It's often stuff that farmers just have excess of, right? So maybe they grew uh, two rows of lettuce, they sold one row worth, and they just don't have a market for that other row. And so our volunteers will come in and harvest that lettuce, and it's the same lettuce that people would buy at the store or farmer's market. It is just oh, packaged differently yeah, and sent I, out through our network. When I did it, maybe there was five bags bags of, of food and when we finished maybe there was three bags and I was like whoa that was a visual that stuck with me for all these years and I'm like shame on me because mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at that um, but I'm trying anyway um, on your and I, we should tell people that you're in the midst of changing your website and updating it and um, making it more um, more now um, so uh, but I did notice on the website that you have a a lot of uh, focus on diversity, equity, inclusion. And, Carrie, I found it fascinating because um, I, I just it just struck me as um, things that we don't think about too much with regard to food. And um, I'd love you to talk about what you've been doing. This is apparently an effort that's been going on since 2018 at the Food Bank. Um, and I'd just like you to just share whatever you can about the work that you've been doing this to make it a more inclusive and diverse organization. Yeah, thank you. This is a really interesting question. And so I will share that I haven't been at the food bank since 2018 and didn't personally experience a lot of the work that has gone into this. But when I arrived at the food bank, I could tell that the organization had made some really thoughtful choices um, around how they're operating. And a lot of that came out of, of thinking prior to 2018 about why people are food insecure and what the food bank's role really is more broadly, not just as a service organization, but more broadly as an employer, as a, as a member of our community, you know, what does that really look like to, um, to make sure that we are not only working on solutions, but that we're also not really, you know, trying to trying to make sure that we're not part of the problem, I guess is one way to say it. So really being thoughtful about the choices that we're making in our internal systems as an organization and on our external and programmatic work. And I think the thinking really started around those external systems and programs and and choices that we were making and and folks had the realization that like oh if we're going to make these choices about how we operate um across the community we should really think about how we're operating for our internal community and our staff um and so at that time they really made um, a decision to put some resources towards understanding what we needed to do as an organization to improve those things and Um, We're able to hire a a consultant to work with our organization. Um, They created a cross-departmental diversity, equity, and inclusion team that includes all sorts of folks who opt in from around the organization and and choose to spend some of their work time um, sort of helping all of us and and support and steward 
these efforts because one of the things the food bank learned and that folks have shared with me is that this is like not a process that's ever done. We're all going to continue to work on this at some level for a really long time. And it requires the focus and attention of a group of employees to do that. So um, a lot of the changes we've made have come from recommendations from that group or from things that group has tried and, you know, then wanted to scale up to the whole organization. Um, a couple examples of that are that we, we um, have four days a year that we do focused work together in this diversity, equity, and inclusion work. We'll have trainings. We'll have, you know, hard conversations together as a staff. We'll have thoughtfully led discussions. We'll sometimes we read a book together and, and talk about what we've learned. You know, it's all sort of sorts of different pieces and, and really different aspects of this DEI work. And it's been really valuable um, to helping us work together in different ways um, across departments and across roles um, and to just be more thoughtful about how we, you know, use an equity lens in the work we do, how we can do that work with more dignity. How can we provide the people that we work with the food they need and want, not just what's available, you know, really informing um, the way that we operate on a lot of different levels. That's great. Carrie, that I, I have to say, I just found one thing on your website, and then um, I have to I have to comment because you're talking about inclusion. It says that you attribute the, your logo, which is the yellow bird, the corn kernel, to it, and it goes back to the indigenous meaning of the bird and the corn kernel and its origins. Which I thought, uh, I mean, who, I wouldn't have thought of that, and and I read that and I went, of course. Um, so it's. It's it's in all our lives and everywhere, and we need to be aware of um, what of what we're doing and saying, and and uh, what others are doing and saying. So thank you, and thanks to everybody at the food bank for all the work that you do. Um, the equity statement is powerful, and um, it maybe when when the website is up and running, people should go and read that equity statement because that's um, it's a great learning tool which I found very helpful. So, Carrie, thank you so much. And I have to tell you, I found the Vermont Food Bank rating that if you give to the Vermont Food Bank, this charity score is 99% earning it a four-star rating, meaning you can give with confidence. So there you go. Thank you all. Thanks, Carrie, for, for spending time with us this morning. And uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. It's September is National Hunger Action Month. See what you can do. 